BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to episode number 44 of the Marine Lair podcast. We have Peter Apple on today, gambling, Mariners, Yankees, starting just baseball. We'll talk a little bit about Cade Marlowe, and the Mariners still have a path to the playoffs. You guys know the drill, but you want to listen to the full-form podcast on the audio side? Go listen on Apple, on Spotify, Google, Amazon. Download the episodes. Hit that follow button. Give us a five-star review. It helps big time. Go check us out on YouTube, too. Again, follow, like, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. And then go follow us on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube Shorts, at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording here on Thursday, August 3rd. And Lala just got a report in. Cal Raleigh has been banned from American League East ballparks. Who does he own more? Does he own the Red Sox or the Blue Jays at a greater degree? Blue Jays. I think it's funnier. Mostly because of John Schneider's legendary quote. He is just simply not a hard guy to pitch to. He's really not. If you execute your pitches, Cal Raleigh's actually really easy to get out as he proceeds to turn around and hit a million home runs against the Blue Jays. It's seven home runs and 44 plate appearances against the Blue Jays in his career, I think. That's just an incredible ratio. I mean, if Cal Raleigh, I hope he stays a Mariner for quite a quite a long time, but if he's going to go somewhere else, you know, I think the American League East suits him. Does it? Because then he doesn't get to feast on those teams all the time. He gets to play them more than anyone else. Yeah, but then he gets to face less of those teams. He he gets to face four of them opposed to five of them. But you're right. He would get to play in ALE's ballparks. He would see those teams more often. Well, unfortunately for Mariners fans, Scott Boris is Cal's agent. So let's Mm. enjoy our time with him now, should we say? Yeah, yeah, probably. Although here's the thing, right? Does Scott, would Scott Boris send his player to Baltimore or Tampa Bay, which would allow him to play both the Red Sox and the Blue Jays? Do Boris's guys ever go to Baltimore or Tampa Bay? No, they wouldn't. Because he'd probably end up being a Yankee if if Boris really got his way, right? Yeah, or, or a Cub or a Dodger or somebody like that. I mean, assuming Cal continues to be a top 10 catcher in the game going forward, for sure. But man, you look at what he did against the Red Sox in this series. That's now, what, four home runs he has against the Red Sox this year? He had two, in, he had two or three in this series. I'm losing count. Well, he had two against them in Fenway where he became, was right. it the first 
switch hitting catcher to homer from both sides of the plate in the in the same game. Right. right. I think that was the stat. There there was a stat I dug up. I, I so for our, our local radio show here that I contribute to. I mean, we spent essentially the entire next day talking about Cal Raleigh's phenomenon at Fenway Park. I mean, there was an interview mixed in there, but it was essentially digging into baseball reference to try and find which players have hit home runs from both sides of the plate at Fenway Park. And I think Cal Raleigh is one of only five players to do that at Fenway Park, which is just pretty absurd and and shows to the level that he loves that park. He does. And he hit three home runs in this series against the Red Sox. It was three because he hit two in a game. And then he hit one in the series finale. It's ridiculous, dude. That guy legitimately owns the AL East. And man, the Red Sox just have to hate playing him at this point. They have to. I mean, and he's the he's the momentum stopper. And the Red Sox, the only team better than the Mariners in the month of July until that series was the Red Sox. They needed that series pretty badly. I mean, the, the Red Sox are a team that's right neck and neck with the Mariners. They're a little bit ahead of the Mariners in terms of that wild card race. They need those games, not just to pass up teams, but if it gets down to tiebreakers, the Mariners are going to need every bit of an edge that they can get. And why those games are so important, Lyle, because this transitions right into our our Mariners storylines, which uh, there's something, I mean, just laid right out in front of them that I think is, is really fascinating. I mean, the Mariners' schedule right now sets them up for the playoffs, like, beautifully. They've got to keep winning games. They have to keep winning in August when the schedule favors them the most. But if they can keep winning in August and actually establish some ground, they can still do this. It, when I when I look at this schedule, I, can I just read you this schedule here in, in, in August? They should be in a playoff spot by the time this, this schedule is up. I mean, we're talking about four games against the Royals, three games against the White Sox, three more games against the Royals, three games against the A's, then three games against the Mets. You're telling me that's not putting you in a playoff spot? It should, in theory. Let's put it like this. If the Mariners do not take advantage against all those teams, then they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. You have to capitalize against those teams that are non-competitive to as nice as slightly below average. I mean, even like the Mets, they were slightly below average before they shipped off. Now they're closer to the non-competitive side. If you're the Mariners, you have to key in on these teams. And honestly, you're probably going to need another 17 to 18 win month. But against all those clubs, why not? I said pretty emphatically to you yesterday, I said by the time that stretch is over, by the time September 3rd rolls around and they finish off the Mets and Queens, you think... They need to be three game, have a three-game lead of a playoff spot. Is that absurd? You know, I thought it was at first when you laid that out to me because I said, that's a lot of ground to make up in the month of August. But then when you look at the schedule and who they're playing compared to who waits on the other side of that tunnel in September, they have to win now. They have to take advantage of those teams. You have to establish yourself into that last wild card spot before that stretch in September. Because if you don't, it is a uphill climb. What's funny is you just you look at the overall strength of record for the Mariners through the rest of the season. Their their strength of record, opponent strength of rec- record is twenty eighth. But if you look at the final three and a half weeks of the season, it, I'm, I'm struggling to believe how that math actually checks out. Over the final three and a half weeks of the Mariners' season, you're talking about four with the Rays, three with the Dodgers. 
three with the Rangers, three with the Astros, and three more with the Rangers. That sounds like a like a nightmare to me. It sounds like a gauntlet is what it is, because it is. The Mariners, I mean, if they don't make up a lot of ground here in August and early September against all those aforementioned teams, they're going to have to play their best baseball of the season to give themselves a shot to get in the playoffs. Because if they don't, if they just roll over against all those teams that are at the moment superior to them, then it's just not to be this year. But if they can establish some real momentum against the teams they should beat, they've all of a sudden created a cushion for themselves where it is a possibility again. And every single one of those teams I mentioned were buyers at the deadline, all of them. And all of them added pretty significant pieces to their major league roster. And I mean, you didn't. So as you mentioned, that the talent disadvantage is there. And I think it's I think it's kind of fascinating. It does it's gonna set up quite a seesaw. And quite opposite to what we saw last year, where the final handful of weeks last year when the Mariners were going down the stretch run of the season, it was a cakewalk. And we were just waiting for them to, to seize that playoff spot. But this year, I mean, if the Mariners are holding the lead of a playoff spot with two weeks remaining, oh, I'm, I might start drinking more. <laughs> I'm dead serious. That is going to be a stressful two weeks if they draw everybody back into this thing. If they're actually in a wild card spot or within a game of a wild card spot, even two games of a wild card spot, and that's the schedule that they have in front of them, that is going to be a roller coaster of a ride the last two weeks. Because again, you have to play up to or better than the level of the best competition in baseball to outlast those teams and to get yourself into the position that you want to be, which is one of those six playoff spots could be just that last wild card spot. That may be the only thing they have a shot at at this point, but you're going to have to do it because if you don't, those teams are going to pummel right over you and the season's going to kind of be dead. I have a headache literally just looking at the last two weeks. I mean, how it's, it is going to be a, I'm going to have nightmares about facing the Rangers. Sorry. I said, they had a three-game series to finish the season. It's actually four. So you're telling me they're going to have to beat. They're going to have to probably have a substantial winning record against playing 13 games against the Rangers and Astros to finish the year. That that sounds like something out of a nightmare. Even going to Cincinnati to play the Reds. The Reds might not be World Series contenders this year, but as we've seen, they might win the Central. They might go to the playoffs. That Reds team is very similar to how this Mariners core started to form in 2021 and 2022, where they are right at the point where they're starting to get scary, and we know what Ellie De La Cruz can do. That's not going to be an easy series either. I mean, September is a tough month if you're the Seattle Mariners. At least there's three games with the A's right in the middle. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. They better win all three of those games. Uh, yeah, yes. If they, if they don't win all three of those games, uh, I, I will guarantee they miss the playoffs. I, I will say it here on this podcast, they lose one of those games to the A's, they're out. You're going full Trevor Plouffe. Season, season's over. You're proclaiming season's the- dead. No, oh, so, okay, so funny enough, we say that they play on a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Now, there's a chance they lose on Monday or Tuesday, and we'll circle back to this. But if we're talking about September 20th's podcast on a Wednesday, I will come on here and I will open the show by saying the Mariners are dead. (laughs) Clip that. 
It reminds me of that fam. Well, no, it, it it half reminds me of that Family Guy scene where, with the Mets, where it's different because your scenario is actually at the end of the season. But I'm thinking of that Stewie clip from Family Guy. It's like you know, Halloween's worse than being a Mets fan, and then it just cuts to that clip of the PA guy saying, "Opening day, here's the first pitch, and the season's over." <laughs> that'll <laughs> that'll like be- that. That'll be you here on this podcast. You're going to open it up. Welcome to the Marine Layer Podcast and Season's Dead. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going to be my first episode after the Mariners miss out on Otani. Preview. Or not. Again, we're going to start start the conversations now. I'm going to promote this a ton in those weeks leading up to the Angels series. So I've decided we're going to, I'm going to be at all those games. And I am legitimately passing out index cards to people like we talked about on the last show to get everybody in unison to chanting, to getting to chant Otani, come to Seattle, come to Seattle, every single at bat that series. Like, do your part, fans. You want them? Do your part. Let them hear you. Don't do it once. Do it about 10 to 12 times and do not let up. I'm going to talk about this way more when it gets closer because we need to use this platform to use any voice we have to get fans going on this because I'm serious about this. Can we mic up Mike Trout during that? I'd love to hear what he had to say. That'd be great. That'd be great. But hey, if you're listening to this now, this isn't going away. And we will be I will be there during that Angel series. TJ's in Oregon, but I will be there. And we're gonna be making it happen. We're gonna be getting fans rallied. But we'll put a pin in that for later. In the meantime, I can't quite say he's been playing like Shohei Otani, TJ, but Cade Marlowe is tearing it up. He has. Does a 169 WRC plus in the big leagues sound good to you? Because it sounds good to me. But I mean, I don't even want to just look at those numbers. Overall, you just watch him at the plate. Isn't it refreshing to have an outfielder step to the plate and not strike out 30% of the time? Because I'm thinking about this as I'm watching Cade Marlowe, and he's put together some really good at-bats and some long at-bats, 10-plus pitches. It, it, the the one he had on Monday was was phenomenal when the with the, the go No, sorry, it was... Um, what day is that? I'm getting my days mixed up. Anyways, no, it was yesterday, Wednesday. It's been a long week. <laughs> to, to watch a Mariners outfielder step to the plate in a big situation and not have to worry about them striking out. Because think about this, Lyle. The Mariners' regular starting outfield strikes out 30% of the time on aggregate. Julio, Jared, Teoscar, Hernandez. It's about a 30% clip between those three. It's a lot. And we like all three of those guys, obviously, but they do strike out a lot. Dominic Canzone, we don't really know yet. We're going to need a bigger sample size on him. Cade Marlowe is striking out 16% of the time. Nearly half of what those other guys are doing. That matters. Like, that really matters. I'm not saying that you can't be a good ball player if you strike out a lot. We know all three of those guys, Julio, Kelnick, Teoscar, are good ball players. But it is very refreshing to see a guy who has such a good awareness for the strike zone, swings at the right pitches, makes a lot of contact, has shown a little bit of pop, playing serviceable serviceable outfield defense. Cade Marlowe has been a really nice jolt for this team over the 10 or so games that he's played so far, and it's making a difference. And what's most strange about this is that Marlowe struck out a shit ton in the minors. I mean, we're talking about a guy who struck out nearly 38% of the time last year when he was promoted to AAA. That, that's the kind of guy we're talking about. And he struggled with his strikeouts this year in AAA, which got progressively better. It got down to, I think, 22% the final month and a half before he got called up. But that's still like league average, and that's his best stretch in AAA. To come to the majors and do 
even more against better pitching says a lot about who K Marlowe is, which is, which is really nice to see. He hits the ball the other way. His defense is, you know, we haven't noticed it, which is usually a good thing. Um, otherwise, I mean, he's got oppo pop too. It's, it's just nice. It is really nice to see. And he's been, he's been pretty key here for the Mariners and helping them turn it around a little bit here in the latter half of July. I think it's fair to say his defense is not as good as Jared Kelnick's, but it is perfectly serviceable. He is certainly no liability out there. He plays a perfectly serviceable corner outfield, or even he hasn't really played center field yet, but he's been a perfectly good left fielder so far. Is that fair? Yeah, that, yeah, that is fair. And, you know, he hits lefties, right? He faced Richard Blyer on Wednesday and did perfectly fine and had the go, had the game tying hit on a pitch. It was middle middle, but thankfully we've seen quite a few Mariners miss, miss clutch middle middle pitches this year. And he did not miss in that situation against a lefty who, who traditionally has got a lot of balls on the ground. He's instead stung it for a line drive. That's that's pretty good, Cade. I will say though, it is quite impressive to see him do that. His while his swing is kind of odd, right? His back foot really kicks out when he swings, and when you look at it from the side, it's not too bad. But from the front, it just kind of looks wonky. But it works. It is interesting what he did in the minors this year because we talked about when he got called up, eighty-six WRC plus. We said he wasn't really hitting all that great in Tacoma. He actually had his numbers tanked a little bit from one really bad month. Like if you look at his OPS by month, 1064 in April, this is all with Tacoma. 528 in May. May was his really bad month. But then 863 in June, 900 in July. He actually has been better than what the total numbers say for the season. Tacoma is a BAM box. The PCL is a BAM box. Yes. But it was really all but one month that he's been hitting down there. And now we're seeing it translate to the majors. Do you want a Cade Marlowe fun fact? No, let's do it. Which player is he worth two more wins above replacement now this season? Are you going to tell me AJ Pollock? No, it's probably close with AJ. I think you're in the right ballpark. Colton Wong? Yeah. Two (laughs) entire baseball reference wins above replacement better than Colton Wong this year and 30 plate appearances. That is remarkable. Yeah, you're telling me. I mean, it's funny. This guy, this guy's profile was a fourth outfielder, right? He wasn't a blue chip prospect. He had some value. I think people believe that he'd be a fourth outfielder long term, and maybe he still is. But you look at Cade Marlowe and what he's done so far, you have to like it. I mean, we're looking at a world right now. We've still got a ways to go. We still need a bigger sample size on Marlowe. But I think it's fair to say from where we sit this second, there is a world where next year's Mariners outfield is Julio, Kelnick, Dominic Canzone, Cade Marlowe. There's your four outfielders. And then you'll have a couple utility guys in there. Where if Cade's the fourth outfielder, okay. But he can do some really good things with that role. And I need to remind our listeners that we were saying very similar things about Jose Caballero a couple months ago. And he has not hit as well since we did that segment on him. So, you know, we got to give him a bit of bigger sample size to iron out. And like Lyle said, he very well might just end up as a fourth outfielder. But, you know, fourth outfielders cash the big league checks, too. So at that rate, I don't think you'll uh, you'll complain all that much. No. And last thing here, like, let's remember about Marlowe. This guy was the minor league hitter of the year in his minor league tenure. He's had 20 home run seasons in the minors. This team and the organization, the front office, likes him a lot. There's a reason he was on the taxi squad for the postseason last year. There's a reason he was tearing it up in spring training this year before the injury. He has value. And to see what he does going forward is really exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. 
We had an awesome conversation with Peter Apple, the co-founder of Just Baseball Media, our, I would say, our parent here on this podcast. Talked some gambling, talked some Yankees, talked some Mariners. Fabulous conversation with Peter. He really is who he is, very authentic online and offline as well. And it comes out here in this conversation. And we're really glad that he had some time to, to join us for a really fun conversation. He was awesome. And it's very easy from talking to him to see why Just Baseball has had as much success as it, at his, as it has had. And the way he goes about things, the way he talks about baseball, his personality as a whole, it's very easy to see why they've had so much success and why we've been lucky enough to be a part of it as, a, as they've expanded their podcast. I mean, yeah, you, you'll see it from talking to him, right? But I'd say it's fair to say that Peter is the face of Just Baseball. Like, don't get me wrong. Him and Aram, who we had on a couple months ago, are both the co-founders. But if you go on their TikTok page or Instagram page, you will mostly see Peter's face on there. Is that right? Yeah. Right. So you will see Peter's face the most. He was awesome. It was a great conversation. Let's give him a little shout out too, because we've talked about the Just Baseball show a little bit on here, which is their mothership show and the main show. If you guys are Mariners fans and you happen to be somebody that's looking for more national baseball stuff and a national baseball podcast to listen to, well, you can do two things. You can listen to TJ and I do our MLB wraparounds. And you can also go listen to the Just Baseball show because those guys are genuinely awesome. I mean, even before we were with the network, we loved listening to those guys and they do a phenomenal job. They have Walker Bueller on every Monday, guys. Like, it's really cool. Go check it out. We don't want to keep it from you, though. So let's get to our interview with Peter Apple. This fall, stream your favorites and discover more with Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus together. Watch the highly anticipated new season of Loki and see the ghosts materialize in Haunted Mansion on Disney Plus. Catch more frights with The Boogeyman and American Horror Story Delicate on Hulu. And on ESPN Plus, get into the action with college football and NFL. All of these and more streaming now. Get the Disney Bundle with plans starting at $9.99 a month. Plans with ESPN Plus starting at $14.99 a month. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. All right, we've got Peter Apple on with us. He's the co-founder of Just Baseball, and he's the host of, well, a bunch of different stuff. The Just Baseball Show, Not Gambling Advice, the Arm Barn Barn Podcast. There we go. Peter, I just wanted to start off with, if this needs to be a safe space for you to talk about your season of gambling, it can be that. We just thought we'd offer it to you. No, I'm here to do it. Um, and it's so funny. Gambling is such a mental thing, right? 2021, I get my first start on TikTok. and I do pretty well. I make 15 units. So for people who don't really gamble, a unit is 1% of your bankroll, right? So if I bet 1% of what I'm willing to lose gambling, right? So if your bankroll is $10,000, which is what you're willing to lose gambling. Like if you lose $10,000, you are out. That means your unit size is 100. So in MLB in 2021, I was up 15 units. So just for round number's sake, $100 was turned into 1500. 2022 turned $100 into 4400. Again, just for round number's sake. This year I'm down 3 units. And it's just, you know, people give up. People are like, well, now he's bad. Now he's this. It's just been the most unlucky stretch. And it's really been June and July because I was up 18 units going into June. 
But man, I mean, it's just the grind. It's baseball. It's like uh, I view myself and maybe this is arrogant, but I have confidence in my ability. Like I'm a really good hitter in a slump right now. So worst two month stretch of your career, right? Because that's a that's a minus twenty one unit stretch. That really does sound like something I would do when I decided. You know, I'm going to start betting UFC, even though I don't watch UFC, and I think that's what I managed. Something around there. By far the worst stretch of my career. Like not even close. Um, there was one month last year where I lost thirteen units in May of 2022, and then was in the green. I've never lost in consecutive months before that's what i did in june and july and i wish i had answers you know i don't i'm not a guy to make excuses like we love baseball because freaky stuff happens right that's like the beauty of it that's why we love it that's why we cover it every day so it's like oh you know the bullpen blew it it's like yeah that's baseball bullpens are gonna blow it so i'm just rolling with the punches and just continuing to give my best shot because i have confidence that i'm gonna make it back and maybe that's you know addiction talking but no i mean you know it's my favorite part of gambling is the analysis right we all love baseball so i love analyzing the game and finding value within the line and making it actionable i know most of your content is baseball betting is baseball your favorite sport to bet it is very i would say it's very it's very different to look at than it is to bet on an nfl line I personally, when I did like betting, liked betting on the NBA because I love the nice law of large numbers where things end up uh, being right more often than not, opposed to the the randomness of a, of a one to two run swing. So baseball it is. So it's so funny. The more I think about it, the more I've done this now, doing the NFL two years, doing the MLB two years publicly, right? I've been doing this for much longer than that, but just in the public eye. I think I enjoy betting on the NFL more. And the reason is, is I'm not as emotionally invested in it. In baseball, I just love the sport to the death of me. It's my number one passion. Like when I die on my tombstone, I want it to read like baseball guy. Right. And I love every other aspects of the game. Like I love analysis. You know, I did an internship with the Cubs scouting. I worked with the Yankees for two years. I just love the game so much. And I love analyzing games beforehand in order to make a prediction but when I make an NFL bet I almost feel like it's more fun because I have less of an emotional attachment to the game itself if that makes sense I think it does make sense I also have been pressing to ask you is there a team that you feel like has been screwing you the most this year such a good question again because I've been screwed by a lot of teams (laughs) um (laughs) I mean, it's funny. We're on the Marine Blair podcast. The Mariners have not been kind to me. They've not been kind to me. And it's it stems from my belief in the beginning of the season. So what I was watching from the Mariners, and they were really profitable for me last year. I felt they were always undervalued in the market. Loved their pitching. When the bats got hot, they would win so many, like, five to two games, and the bullpen would just shut it down. They were always undervalued. And I thought to myself, well, now they're going to be properly valued, but I think they take the next step up. They were a Jordan Alvarez away, were Jordan Alvarez home run away from getting to face the Yankees, who I think they would have beaten because I thought the Yankees were not that good of a team last year, but they were able to get to the ALCS and they got trounced by the Astros. So I thought, well, the pitching is there. The bullpen is still there. And I love all these bats. Why can't they make a run? And they were being priced like way lower than a lot of teams. I thought they were better than Vegas was right. The Mariners have not 
lived up to expectations, but also don't count them out because they're kind of hot. All they got to do is sneak in, just sneak in that pitching. Maybe they get hot. Before we talk about actual betting strategy, which I kind of want to pick your brain about as someone who does this for a living now, I want to think about maybe the least thought out, least analytical way of betting baseball. And that's the only time I bet now is when I bet a no runs first inning. Are there, is there, so the people who don't know, you can make a bet that the teams do not score a single run in the first inning, neither in the top of the first or the bottom of the first, nobody scores. It's a really easy bet to make. It doesn't take all that much thought. Is there any case where that's like strategically a good idea? Nerfies, like betting nerfies in your fees? Yes. It used to be. It's become too mainstream now, so it's priced into the books, right? The books know you want to take a nerfie. So I actually think people should start leaning into your fees, right? They're normally going to be plus money. And you find pitchers who are not very good in the first inning. Like, I, I don't bet on nerfies and your fees at all. But I would imagine that betting on your fees in Braves games has been pretty po- has been pretty profitable, considering the Braves are the best first inning team, I think, ever, or at least close to it. I don't have the stats in front of me. But they've been electric in the first inning. So I think... What I like to do in gambling is zig when everybody's zagging, right? Every, you're talking about the nerfies. Everybody on earth knows about nerfies. So go yerfies. Everyone loves the over. Go under. Everyone loves the favorite. Go dog. Because you want to be on the same side as the books, and the books know you want to bet on a nerfie, right? So I would look for opportunities to bet the yerfie, but at the same time, they're coin flip bets, right? They never should be your actual handicap on the day because it's really hard to find value. It's one inning, right? There's variance in baseball all the time. By closing your bet to one inning, you're setting yourself up for so many different possibilities to happen. That's why I'm not a nerfy or a yerfy better. Now, let's say it's a standard day for you and you're getting ready to make your picks for the day. I want to know what goes into your strategy. You're looking at the board what are things you look at first? What's the process like going on in your mind to decide this is going to be a winning day of baseball bets? So it's more the, it's less what I do when I wake up and it's more what I do the night before. So what I'll do, and you guys do the same thing, is we watch a lot of baseball, right? I have four different screens up, just watching all the games, tracking guys. There's also some pitchers I'm higher on, pitchers I'm lower on based on you know, expected stats, peripherals, all that good stuff. Teams I'm seeing are hot. Teams I'm seeing are not. So what I'll do is I'll watch baseball. And then that night, I'll look at the games the next day. And I like to set my lines. Now, this is not something that I recommend. This is just my way of how I bet. So I'll be like, all right, I think this total should be at nine. Let's say it's at nine. I don't see much value, right? Let's say I think it's at nine and it's at eight. I kind of like the over. Then what I'll do is I'll go to the ballpark pal model, which is on just baseball.com and, or you could search it up on ballpark pal. Let's say it agrees with me. Okay. We got something here. Then I'll go into the numbers. I'll look into fan graphs. Is this team hot offensively? Do they have a good matchup against the pitcher? And then if all that matches up, then I make the bet, right? So it starts with me setting what I think the line should be looking at the model. If it agrees, Because sometimes it'll completely disagree with me. I'll think a total should be nine. It's at eight. They think it should be at seven. I'm like, all right, never mind. (laughs) Like, maybe I'm off here. Or there's some times where I'm like, well, the model's not always right. And I'll play it anyway if the numbers back it up. 
So it's a lot of different things that have to line up for me to end up making a bet. But for anybody new that's getting into it, what I would say is try and quantify for yourself, like travel, right? We'll see if this ends up aging poorly, but I'm on the Mariners plus 140 against Shohei Otani, a bet that nobody on earth wants to make. And the reason being is the Angels are nine straight road games. They're traveling from Atlanta to Los Angeles. Just think about it as a human being, right? We all flew back from the All-Star game. I was tired just talking on a mic. Imagine playing baseball. Like It's just tough for human beings to be able to do that. Brian Wu, I think, is good. I think he has a good matchup against the Angels team who are mostly right-handed. And the Mariners have seen Shohei enough. I like the Mariners' bullpen better. The Mariners' bats have been hotter. Plus 140. Basically, do they win that game five out of ten times? I'm getting a lot of value there, so I'm on the Mariners. You know, I hope people that are listening, I hope people listen to this when they hear about how you go through your process of making bets, because I feel like sometimes when you get comments about it, people have this perception that you basically like blindly throw darts against the dartboard. No, that's what TJ does when he tries to make bets. <laughs> no, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, no, no actually- that's about, that's a half lie, just a half lie. I mean, you actually think this out, Peter. So I hope people realize that when they try to give you a hard time, like as if betting is some easy thing, because if it were easy, sports books would not exist. No, exactly. I mean, they're morons. I mean, most of the people are morons out there. People, as gambling has gotten so mainstream, there is this thinking from a lot of different people that it is a get-rich-quick scheme. So I've seen when I'm winning bets, you should see my engagement. It's amazing. Everybody thinks I'm God. Everybody thinks, like, I can't lose. Then I go on a losing streak. People disappear. But there's a group of people. And I wouldn't say the majority, it's the minority, but it's still a very big group of people that just believe in me. They believe in the track record. They know that gambling is an up and down kind of thing. People have been doing this for a while, but there's a lot of new people coming into the space who don't understand gambling. So they see all the write-ups, right? They know what goes into it, but they're like, oh, he spends all this time and he loses a bet. Like that's gambling, right? Professional gamblers hope to win 56% of their bets. 56, that means you're losing four, five bets every 10 bets. But it's all about winning more than you lose. It's about managing your bankroll and building it. That's how to make money long-term sports gambling. But people don't want it. People want to do parlays. People want to bet on nerfies, right? But through time, you're going to make more money if you play the right matchups and you're level-headed and you don't chase and... There's a lot of different things that goes into it. Um, but I'm also talking to you right now on the coldest streak of my life, right? And you don't see me wavering. It's going to happen. And it's going to happen again. And then there's going to be a week where I literally do not lose a bet. It's happened before. It's going to happen again. Same thing with losing. You just ride the wave. You know, and what's cool about you is you're transparent about this stuff. I mean, you'll see betters out there that only like to tell you when they win. And they certainly exist out there. They tell you when they win. They don't talk about when they lose and people have this perception that they're a good better where you actually let people follow the ride with you and say, here's where I'm hot. Here's where I'm not. It goes and ebbs and flows. Yeah, you have to do that, right? I mean, that's how I felt like I've been able to build a community of people who trust me. I'm going to let you know when I lose. Mm-hmm. I almost sell I almost like tell you more when I lose than I win. And that's my problem that I'm all honestly trying to overcome is that I get more down on losses than I do happy about wins. Like when a win comes in, I'm just like, yep, that's what should have happened. Good. 
when I lost, I'm like, oh, no, are you kidding me? I get over it in 20 minutes, but I do have that 20-minute spurt where I'm so upset. The winning spurt lasts like 30 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to enjoy the wins as much as I hate the losses because I hate to lose. I hate to lose. I even growing up playing sports, like you guys said, I hated to lose. Very competitive person. So when I lose gambling, it hurts me more than when I win. But I'm really trying to overcome that. And I think, you know, part of gambling is also the mental battle, right? You're losing. You want to chase. And that only gets you worse, right? So I like the Yogi Berra quote. Baseball is 90% mental. The other half is physical. That's the same with betting on baseball too, right? There have been guys. Julio Rodriguez was in a slump for a long time. Imagine if he just gave up. Like, it's going to happen. He's going to be bad for a month. Let's, he's a human being. Everyone's been bad for a month, except like Otani, who I'm betting against tonight. <laughs> now, you talk about all the strategy you put into betting, but isn't it re- much more refreshing when you can just look at the starting pitches the next day and say, yep, I'm betting on Cal Quantrill? <sighs> Such a good point, and I'm so upset. Because he was an actual cash cow. I mean, you don't know how many people are like, no, I'm fading him. No way he wins as many in a row. I'm like, all right. We'll see. How many in a row was it? He won every single home game since he arrived at Cleveland, and I was on all of them. Wow. Okay. And it's a funny story. So he's behind me right there. King Cow. We had him on the Just Baseball show as well. So my first year really getting into baseball, or college baseball, excuse me, was the Stanford Cardinal when he was on the team and I was watching him pitch and I was like, I like this guy. They get drafted by the Padres and I'm like, I hope he gets a shot. I like him. Gets traded over to Cleveland with Josh Naylor. And I'm like, you know what? I I believe in this guy. And I was like, once the wheels fall off, okay. They never did until this year. And there were some very alarming peripherals, which I do take. And I think they are very important. And I was like, might be a little bit of a struggle for him. And he's had a really, really tough year. But when we talked with him on the Just Baseball show, like his mentality about pitching is exactly what I'd want from like my number one starter or my quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, right? I want the bulldog mentality, a guy who cares more about winning than how he actually pitches. So I'll always believe in him. I just love him as a guy and as a pitcher. So I was going to save this for the end, but now we're on the topic. And I'll let this be the final question before we transition over to some Mariner-specific stuff. I always knew you loved Cal Quantrill before we actually met you. But I never knew what the story was. We had Arm on a couple months ago, and he told us the story. So my follow-up to you is, is this tattoo of his actually happening, or is it all talk? It's on him. I, I've said, let's get it in Seattle. I said, let's get it here. And he's always got something going on. Arm Layton, if you're listening to this podcast, we're getting you the fucking tattoo. We're getting you the tattoo. I, I am not letting him go to the grave without a tattoo of Cal Quattrall on him. So, Arm, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are because this podcast is awesome, we're getting that tattoo. We are. <laughs> hey, he said he might have to get Cal's XERA on that tattoo. That would be hilarious, I think. As long as he's got something on his body that pertains to Cal Quattrall, I'm good with it. you know what that's got to be a content thing if he ever does it i think oh it's i mean we're gonna i'm i I might send it to his mom no i can't can't do that (laughs) but what i'm saying is like so the bet was i think it was like a is an era bet and i was like you guys don't believe in cal they're like no no i don't believe in cal he delivered he delivered now didn't this year 
but it wasn't about this year. It was about last year, and he had it, and he nailed it down. Well, speaking of delivering this year, I'd say the Mariners have failed to do so to the level of expectations that people have had, at least back in March and preseason. And now we fast forward, trade deadline just passed. TJ and I broke it down on our last show. But the one move the Mariners make is, or the one headline move, is they trade Paul Seawald. So from your perspective, from that move and also what they got back, I mean, what was your take on how they approached the deadline? You know, well, one thing was I was really glad that they didn't trade Ty France or Teoscar Hernandez. I mean, Depoto, what are we doing? We're going to trade bats? Yeah. Trade bullpen arms, I get it. Bats? We need to hit. It's like the Yankees to be like, you know what? Maybe Aaron Judge should go. What are we doing here? Why are we even <laughs> floating those guys' names? No. So I'm glad they didn't do that. I wish they did more, of course. But what I will say is if you drew a line in the sand and separated the winners from the losers, I'm putting the Mariners in the winner's bucket of the deadline. First of all, because they won the trade by, I think, a sizable margin. And I'm just looking, you know, you guys are the Mariners guys, but I'm looking from a national MLB perspective, right? I've been on my biggest bet of the preseason was the Diamondbacks over 74 and a half wins, which I'm really excited about. So I've watched a lot of Diamondbacks games this year. Josh Rojas last year was a very good Swiss Army knife. Ben Zobrist, Ben Zobrist. Esque. It's a hard thing to say. Say that five times fast. Ben Zobris esque. Um, and this year he's really, really struggled, right? But he's a guy who comes from the University of Hawaii who actually was teammates with one of my best friends from home. And he always said, like, up here he had it. It was just about putting it on the field. And it showed last year, just hasn't showed this year. But I think a change of scenery for him will will do him wonders. I think he'll be a fine player. And even just that for Paul Seawalt is not that bad of a deal. But then they got Dominic Canzone, who has proven he's a big leaguer at this point, routinely posting an OPS over 900 in the minors. And I saw him a little bit. I like him. I think he's just, I think he could be a good big leaguer. And then Ryan Bliss is tearing it up in the minor leagues. And you got that for a reliever when, I mean, the Mariners don't need relievers. They could just put Andres Munoz in the closer role, right? What do the Mariners do best? They close out games. Now, this year, it has been a little bit inconsistent. So trading Paul Seawold, I'm sure, hurt because of recency bias. But at the same time, the Mariners and DePoto himself have been so good at developing, acquiring, and just turning around a bullpen, right? Like Topa, I think that's his last name. I mean, yeah. he's been awesome. Who is that? Realistically, yeah. like, who is that? But it's the same thing like with the Yankees, which they did with Ian Hamilton. Who is that? He's been great for them this year. That's what the Mariners do best. I thought they won that trade easily. Dimebacks way overpaid. They were just trying to compete, and they needed bullpen guys. And Seawald's great. But Seawald ain't elite. He's great. He's a great reliever. He's not elite, but you got an elite package for him. So I thought the Mariners, if you again draw a line in the sand, they're on the winner side. I do wish they did more, though. That's why they're not one of the best winners, right? But I still thought they had a solid deadline. If I'm putting a winner or a loser in one of those two baskets, I I, I feel like the team that would be in either one of those sides would have a direction, it felt like, because the, the rationale I used on Wednesday's show was, well, if you are going to sell somebody on your team to get a good package, yes, they got a good package back, because it was a seller's market, but not use that rationale for anything else. And yet on the other side, with other you know rental players that would be available, that 
like a Marcana or a Tommy Fam or this. I mean, this is something I should have brought up on on Wednesday, but didn't I guess have my thoughts together. So we're going to get it out now. Where you think you think on the other side, like okay, well these young outfielders make us better right now. We feel like that. Okay, so what else is going to make us better? Because we do still feel like, as you said, they they needed bats and they didn't go and get anyone else. So that's where I feel like if we're putting two baskets to each side and saying one winner and one loser. The Mariners, I might just put right in the middle of the two and just throw them on the floor because it didn't it didn't feel like there was enough of a direction to to firmly say that. It's more than fair. And it's also Mariners fans are probably expecting more, right? Look at the last couple of deadlines. The Mariners have been big time buyers. They've been the splash makers, right? They've been cannonballing into the pool. This year, not so much, which I did find very interesting. But I look at the Mariners team. Right, like the Yankees have a clear hole in left field. They did not add a left fielder. The Mariners, like, they don't have like a gaping hole. Their guys just aren't performing offensively because it hasn't really been a problem with the pitching, right? Kirby's been great. Gilbert's been solid. Castillo's been solid. Brian Wu's been solid, right? Bryce Miller just got injured, but like that's a rotation. You're not going to add really to the bullpen because you don't need to. So it would, it would have to be bats. You did get Canzone and Rojas, who I think you guys are going to see are going to be quality big leaguers for you guys. So I thought to myself, well, they could have traded for Jonathan India, but I don't think you guys really want Jonathan India, with all due respect to him. The crazy splits at Great American Ballpark. Like, there wasn't second baseman on the market to be bought. You have J.B. Crawford at short, right? You have Suarez at third. You have France at first. Your outfield's kind of set. I know the Kelnick injury really hurts. I just don't know what they could have done to really like make a big splash other than overspending, which we all three of us know that's not in DePoto's nature. Yeah, I, I think the big thing was people just wanted some mid-level bat. I think people's gripe was they always felt the Mariners were a bat short even in the offseason, and it didn't have to be an A-level guy that they went out and got. I think people wanted to see him in the offseason, sign a Michael Conforto, sign a Brandon Belt, somebody like that. Or at this deadline, if if you traded for Marcana, if you traded for Tommy Pham, just somebody who could boost the offense a little bit. You don't have to go trade the world for Otani. It was just maybe get something else. I think that's where people's frustration stemmed a little bit. More than fair. I agree. And they should have done that, and they failed to do so. That's all I got. I, I just I I agree with you guys. I will uh, say, though, uh, to your point on Canzone, I think people, and the front office specifically, really buys what he could do. It's not a perfect comp, but a, what a lot of people have been tying it to since the trade is somewhat like Mitch Hanniger in a sense. We're not just coming from the Diamondbacks, but Canzone's not some blue-chip prospect. He is, however, a guy that's torn up at every level of the minor leagues. He's a little bit on the older side. He's a little bit slept on. It feels like the guy that give him a little bit of time, and he could really, really contribute in the 5-6 spot of this lineup, not to mention he's got six and a half years of club control. I totally agree. I just don't – Mitch Handiger had thump. Right. Mitch Handiger was hitting 30-plus bombs. Like, that That guy is a Seattle legend in that sense yeah. where it's like Mitch Handiger tossing balls out of the yard. Canzone doesn't quite have that, but he has good batch of ball, and he's a good defender. I think he's just kind of going to be one of those, like, fan favorite type of players mm-hmm. where, you know – you're talking to people who don't watch the Mariners at all and be like, oh, who's Dominic Canzone? And Mariners fans are going to be like, watch Mariners baseball, and you're going to see what he contributes because it's going to be small, but it's going to matter. And mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be that impactful. But like I said, like then you got Rojas and you got Ryan Bliss. Like That is a huge package for Seawalt. Huge. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, Peter, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm going to open the door up into the American League playoff picture a little bit and look into your world. And that's how I'm going to start to frame this question of what the hell are the Yankees doing? Cowards. <laughs> We're looking on the other I side mean, of a deadline. like <laughs> Cowards. I mean, just cowards, right? There's two buckets. Do you sell or do you buy? And there's a good argument for both. If you sell, we're not going to make the playoffs this year. We're in last place. Are we still above 500? There's still a 20% chance we make the playoffs. It's not our year this year. I can stomach that. And I agree with that side. You trade Harrison Bader, Wani Peralta. You saw what Seawold got. You could get a great package for Clay Holmes, who's had a great year this year, right? Glaber Torres, imagine the pack. Imagine working with the Mariners. You guys would have given us a lot for Glaber Torres, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nope. All right, bye then. Okay, we need a left fielder. Let's go get Lane Thomas from Washington. He's available. He's been great. What, are the Washington Nationals going to keep Lane Thomas? No one ended up trading for him, which I find interesting. The price might have been expensive because he has years of control. Could have done that. You're the New York Yankees. You have a great farm system. You can stomach that. If you're going to buy, go get. I don't know, more offensive pieces, get rid of Donaldson, DJ, change it up. Nope. Kenyon Middleton. Pathetic. I mean, just pathetic. I mean, just didn't make a decision. And then the pandering afterwards. Brian Cashman. We're in it to win it. You know, we got Nestor coming back. We got Loisica coming back. Newsflash, Nestor is a five-year-a. Loisica is a reliever. Stop. This offense is not that much better than like the bottom five offenses in Major League Baseball this season. Their one saving grace is they can hit a lefty. Newsflash, you face more righties, right? Pathetic. Cowardly, pathetic deadline for a team that has shown that they're not on the same level as the Astros, as the Rangers, as the Blue Jays, as the Orioles, as the Rays. They're not there. And it was sad, to say the least. Tell us how you really feel. Oh, I did. And I will continue to do so because I don't hold back. I'm a Yankee fan, right? Like, I worked for the team for two years. There is a level of, I don't even know a good way to put it. It's like a level of confidence in themselves. And, like, they don't see what's happening to the rest of the league. Like, you're just not there, but you think you're there. And you keep burying yourself because they think they're the Astros or they think they're the Rays. They should be the Rangers, right? Steining Seeger, Semyon, like they should, but they're not, and they're just—they're going to be perpetually wild card teams, and like maybe making it to the next round, then losing to a team that's better than you. Just been the cycle. It's just a cycle. It's a never-ending thing. Is this well, a a thing of of being? I, I think of this in in a way that I, I know not all Mariner fans are a, a fan of Jerry Depoto, and some might see might think a change is a good idea. And I know that a good chunk of of Yankee fans I see are okay with the fact of Brian Cashman leaving. He's been there since before we were born, I believe, all of us. And I don't think he's the only member of that front office who has been there that long. So th- is this a is this a a, a I would say a result of complacency of from the organization that has allowed something like this for, for decades. Like where does something like this stem from? So hard to tell because I can't, I'm not in the room with them, right? I can't speak to that, but what I can do is look at what's happened 
and then form an opinion surrounding that. The Yankees were very good in the late 90s, right? The Mariners were very good in 2001. The Yankees haven't won a World Series since 2009, and that's when they bought all these players, ushered into a new ballpark. And ever since then, it's been above mediocrity. It has been, you know, they've won 100 games before, but I think even Yankee fans going into the playoffs were like, we're not going to win even though we won 100 games. And the Yankees, they use this word calculus a lot, right? This is our calculus. This is our this. I don't know how good they are in their analytical department, if I'm being completely frank. Every team uses analytics. And the Yankees haven't proven that their analytics work, right? And their idea is win as many games the regular season, get in the playoffs, and the data says that it's a random tournament. And they're right in some sense. But there are a couple of teams who are always there and kind of always winning, right? So... It's a tough question to ask because what I've seen in the last half decade, like I think the Yankees, ever since they got Giancarlo Stanton from the Marlins, they have bought into this power. They bought into the three true outcomes, walks, home runs, strikeouts. And then over the past season or two, they've transitioned to getting more defense, but they've kind of kept the three true outcome guys. And now they can't hit at all. So that's my only answer. It's 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 just it's a it's a tough scene. It's a tough scene. Thank you for asking me, by the way. Get me back <laughs> into my feels. Where does your Yankees fandom stem from again, by the way? Because I know you're from California. Yeah, so I was born in Staten Island, New York. Um, my dad, big Yankee fan, right? Moved to California when I was two years old, and he said that I became a Yankee fan when I was like one or two years old, like laying on his chest, watching the 98 Yankees. And then ever since then, you know, my friends are all Dodgers fans or angels fans. They're shit talking the Yankees, which makes me like them more, right? Like only kid in my area who likes the Yankees. And that just be kind of came my thing. My dream was to work for them. Wrote my college essay about it. How I was going to be the general manager of the New York Yankees. My college counselor was like, you want to do that? I was like, it's what I want to be. I'm putting my eggs in the, in that basket, you know, got into some schools and then ended up working for the Yankees for two years. But then I left to start just baseball. Um, and I like what I'm doing now. I prefer it over working for the Yankees. But if they need a new GM, let me know. I'd love to change things around there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good segue here as you've started just baseball now for what is coming up on two years, right? Is I mean, is the date here yet? The two year date? No, it's it's past it. So. April 20. So yeah, I'll, I'll peel back the curtain a little bit. So when I was working for the Yankees, I was working in season ticket sales and the COVID pandemic hit, right? So I go home to California and I'm on the phones, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. And I'm just dead tired, like waking up, calling people, asking if they want to buy season tickets for a season that might not happen. And it's just, it was a grind. You know, it was tough. You know, my dad always says, if I ever write a book, uh, name it Selling Season Tickets in a Pandemic. I thought that'd be kind of funny. Um, <laughs> and But I always, and my one critique from my sales manager was, you're selling well, but you're spending too much time on the phone talking about the Yankees. And I thought to myself, I was like, that's my favorite part of the job is talking about baseball. 
And, you know, I was on the school news in high school, but decided that I was going to do sport management said something that I still kind of regret wishing to go to new house. But, you know, I'm here now. So, I mean, I don't have any regrets. I had a great time in college, but I was talking to Aram and Aram, you know, COVID season canceled the minor league. So both Jack and Aram, they got their jobs cut because everybody in the minor leagues did because it wasn't happening. So Aram was like, I want to start a website to write all my prospect stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm down to write, but I also really want to start a podcast. And I'm also seeing on TikTok, have you guys seen the growth that people are experiencing on this app? And he's like, TikTok, what? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I know. I've never done social media before, but I'm like, if I could just make videos and I'm seeing this blow up and it was honestly kind of ignorant. I don't even know if that's the right word. I just didn't really know what I was getting into. If that's ignorance, the right word to describe that. So I was like, all right. So we started the company called project the plate and then we changed it to just baseball and on april 1st of 2021 i was like i'm gonna make three gambling picks a day because that's what i love to do because that'll force me to be consistent and post a ton and then on top of it we're gonna be posting podcast clips and i was like by june 26th i think was the release of our website of 2021 if we don't have a thousand followers by then we might have to keep our day jobs right this might just be a side hustle we had 55,000 by then. So it just then became a company, right? It just grew and grew and grew, got more writers added to the podcast network. You guys are great additions, like we said. And it's just, it's been a wild ride of grinding nonstop. And then the off season, I do football. And then we still do the Just Baseball show, of course. So it's just been a every day, just trying to get better. And I'm still new at this. I, I'm not perfect, right? Like, I never call myself a professional gambler because I'm 25 years old and I have so much to learn. I learn something new every day, right? I just found that system. I told you guys pre recording about the Mariners. I found that today. Probably use it moving forward. It'd probably be profitable for me, you know? So I'm just learning, trying to get better. And that's how our business is growing. It's just trying to bring on people to help us be better. And that's the bottom line. What do you think you've learned the most about how people digest content? Good question. What have I learned the most about how people digest content? So I think what's changed is that I used to think it was quick hitters. It was big flashy in front of your face. This is, you know, the biggest steal of whatever. The more I'm realizing it is that I think being consistent is so incredibly important. Just keeping your content in the eyes of people. Because like if you see someone enough and they sound relatively okay, you might try them once and just be like, all right, what is this? Why does it keep popping up on my feed? And then if you have insightful information, you're going to keep people engaged. So I remember early on, I used to do these things where I'd be like, short reaction would be 10 seconds long with a soundtrack. Now we're posting minute stuff and it's just us. and We're talking baseball. And I've seen more growth. Like early on that worked gets tiresome because people are like, what are you actually giving me, right? So I think being consistent is the most important part of content. And then just really like, I know it sounds dumb, but like being smart, like providing people with value. Like if you're going to make a video, would you watch it? Like, is it worthy of that? You know, so for anyone getting started, make a priority that you are going to post at least every day. We post multiple times every day on Instagram. You guys see how much time we post, we post like five, six things a day, TikTok two or three times a day, right? So 
podcast five days a week. So that's the main thing. I'll tell you a little story. I told Arm the same thing when he was on a couple months ago, but it'll it'll end with a question. It all ties together. And I was telling him how – so I knew Arm and Jack at the time, and TJ did too because we were in the Cape League with him. Last year, I was broadcasting games for the Dayton Dragons. They were the Reds High A affiliate. I had a friend there who was on the sales team. We were driving somewhere together. He tells me that, you know, there's this baseball podcast I like to listen to. I was going to put it on. I said, okay, sure. It's you guys. It was the Just Baseball show. He turns it on in, in Dayton, Ohio. And I turned to him. I was like, is this the Just Baseball show? He goes, yeah. I was like, yeah, I know these guys. He was like, really? I was like, yeah. I mean, I was in the Cape League with both Arm and Jack while we were there, um, like 2018, 2019. He's like, that's pretty cool. A couple days later, we turn right around. This same friend says, oh, my friends are at the game today. If you're around afterward, uh, we're going to hang out for a little bit. You can meet him. I said, sure. I walk up to him. And what's he wearing? He's wearing a Just Baseball hat. And same thing. I go, you know, I know those guys, right? And he was like, that's pretty cool. It's like, I listen to them all the time. I think they're awesome. So I thought that was really cool. That was the first time I really realized. I mean, I was always watching you guys from afar because I thought what you guys were doing was always awesome. And I thought the content was really good. That was the first time I realized how much it was really starting to blow up. So I guess my question with all that to you is, when did you guys really start to notice just how many people were tuning in? Huh. So for me personally, like I've always thought that if I just make good content every day, people are going to come see it. So I try not worry about, you know, I mean, I worry about the numbers because it's a business and like we have to keep performing but I'm just so much more concentrated on making the best content every day. And I just have a belief in ourselves, you guys included, that if we just make good episodes every day, people will just keep tuning in. But I think it it was a really cool moment. So I was at the Yankee game with my dad, and this was last year. And I never sat in Legends before. And my dad knows... Um, or he doesn't know, but like has an off connection with um, Haley Steinbrenner, who's the granddaughter of George Steinbrenner. And and she helped me get my first internship. And then I kind of worked my way up and stuff. Um, and they got us legend seats. So we're sitting there and I was approached seven different times by people saying, oh, just baseball, that kind of stuff. And my dad's face, I'll never forget it, was so proud and he was just looking at me he's like you really did it and at that point i never like i'd been approached by people before like i'll be walking the streets in new york and people will come up and be like yo love the content all that stuff and i really appreciate it but i just never like really i just i appreciate the comment but like i don't let it go to me like i i'm just so focused on the bets of the day the writing the podcasting like i appreciate it but i'm not it it doesn't like make my day, right? Unfor like I don't mean to be rude or anything. It's just I'm so focused on the content that when people come up and say, Hey, I'm not like, ooh, like I'm famous. Like I've always said, like, I'm not I'm like niche, <laughs> like nerd baseball famous. Like whatever that is. Right. You know? So which I love. I'm a nerd. I'm not yeah, I'm the biggest nerd on, on planet Earth. So are we. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. And that's why we love you guys. So when my dad was really looking at me, he's like, you made it. And I was like, that was awesome. Like, that was the first moment where I thought to myself, all right, this is really working. So I'm glad you asked that question because that moment with my dad was really, really key because, you know, I quit my job with the Yankees to do this. It's a big step. Mm -hmm. But I was like, we're going to make it. Or at least I'm going to die trying. <laughs>
It almost feels like, I mean, it's not the same level. Well, first off, that's an awesome story. And I think that's really cool. You know, we've had that a little bit in our world. It's not the same level that you guys get it. But like last couple months or so, when we walk around the ballpark, like there are people that notice us and will come up to us and say like, love the pod or love the content, which is super cool. And, and it is rewarding for us because we never thought we'd ever even have like one person say that. Like we just wanted to start that because, or we started this podcast one, because we love the Mariners and two, we wanted to get more people excited about the team in some unique ways. I think of anything, I mean, TJ, you can speak to this too, but like, it does make my day, but if anything, I think it just motivates it motivates the both of us to just keep going. Like if one person sees it, how can we get like, you know, a hundred more people seeing it? Or whatever. It's a good yeah, point. It, it, exactly. And I think the moment for me, it had nothing to do with the ballpark. I've been going to the same gym now here in Corvallis for the last year and a half. And I see this guy there pretty much every single day. I mean, Eric, he's there pretty much every single day. I'd never talked to him before. What day did Paul get traded? Wednesday or Tuesday? Uh, Seawall gets traded and I'm, I'm sitting there the, with the free weights and, and he, he walks up to me. He's like, Hey, what do you think of this trade? I mean, I see you guys on my feet all the time. And I'm just saying like seeing you every day for like a year and a half, never talked to you before. And all of a sudden you're 400 miles away from, uh, from home base to Seattle. I have someone asking about our stuff and that, that is, that's pretty crazy to me because we're, we're a little bit more regional. And when we get outside the region, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty weird when, when it happens, but it, it, it is really cool. It means, it means people notice and actually watch because they'll remember your face. No doubt about it. Like, you know, I've, I've been recognized, you know, in New York, when I go down to Florida, go back home to California, you know, we recognize a lot at T-Mobile park, just kind of everywhere we go, people are, you know, there's some people out there like, hey, love the content. And that's a good point. Like, it does motivate me. And I, I feel like I went about it wrong where I'm, I'm saying, like, it doesn't make my day. Like, it, it, it makes me happy. Just my brain is so wired into the sense of, like, I got to keep working. So, like, even if nobody ever came up and talked to me, like, ever, I would still be doing this. So, it's like, I, like my fear of failure is motivating me right? More than kind of anything. So it's just like the cherry on top for people to come up and, and talk. And I love it, but I'm, I'm just saying it like, it doesn't, I'm not out here for that. And I'm not saying you guys are either. I'm just out here to grow the game of baseball and just talk about it. Cause I love the game and I want more people to love the game just to boil it down to that. I've got one more question for you, but before we do that, I was going to say, I think what you guys have done really well too is you guys legitimately cover every team and can talk about every team, which is, I think, why you see you, why people see you guys reach these smaller fan bases. I mean, I know a lot of people in the Reds world know who you guys are. I mean, just from being in Ohio, I think a lot of the smaller markets certainly look at your guys' stuff. I mean, just seeing the comments and seeing the fans you have, where a lot of baseball content out there doesn't hit the smaller markets. Like, they just talk about the big teams. You guys genuinely talk about every team and break down every team, and I think that resonates with people. Because I bet on every team. <laughs> so, it's like, so it's like people people can talk about and, and no arm and jacket. Like they aren't betting, but they're watching all baseball. Like that has been, I think, the best part of our company. And I'm glad you brought it up. We don't talk about the Yankees that much, right? Like I do when Jack and Arm like get under my skin and want to fire me up and I get pissed. But like I love connecting with fan bases who felt that big media companies have left them for dead because there are so many great people out there that root for the Mariners. 
that root for the Diamondbacks, the Reds, the Royals. I've been on a countless radio shows where, and I, I tell people this, I want to be able to go on a show and talk about your team like I watch every game because I'm close to it. Like you guys have watched more Mariners games than me, but I think of all people who aren't Mariners fans, I think I've watched the most. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just watching so much baseball all day long that I know what's happening in Seattle, right? Because I love covering the whole game. That's been my favorite part. Like, I love New York sports radio, and I'm a Yankee fan. So do we. But I, I much, yeah, exactly. Don LeGrant is a legend. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's the greatest ranter in oh, radio sports history. It's, oh, that was, that was great time. to hear you say. Oh, yeah, he is. But... <laughs> I love covering national MLB stuff, minor leagues. The WBC was a blast, right? That's my favorite part is uncovering good players and cool stories from teams that nobody really cares about. And I want to make you care about them because it's really cool. And every fan base has its own niche and its own great. Like I was following the Mariners last year because I just loved them. Like I loved just watching their games. So it made me fall in love with them. Like I'm wearing a Mariners hat right now. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then, like, I'll hop on Cardinals radio and do the same thing. Been on Royals radio, Braves radio, like all these different teams. And I just love the game of baseball. And I love so many different players that it's honestly made me less of a Yankee fan. Cause I'm like, I'd rather turn on the Mariners game right now. Like, I don't want to watch my team. They suck. <laughs> but I don't watch the Mariners lose. And it's like, <laughs> no, but I love covering the game. Of all 30 teams. You know what? You want to watch the Mariners lose? You've gotten plenty of it this year, especially in April, May, and a lot of June, too. So it's right up your alley. Right up my alley. <laughs> the last question I have for you is, I'm sure you've thought about this at some length, and maybe it's a loaded question, but I thought we'd ask it, is, in a perfect world, five to ten years from now, where is just baseball at? A lot of people ask me that. And... My answer is always the same. I'm not worried about it. And I know that's kind of a weird answer. And a lot of people have a five to 10 year plan. And I think that's totally fine. I don't think like that, though. I think day to day. I think, how are we going to make the best content today? And then I try my best to make the best content today. And then tomorrow, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm just going to keep doing it over and over again, because I never know what's going to happen. And I'm just like a weirdo like that. I went to Syracuse University without touring the school. People said it was going to be cold. I'm like, I'll figure it out. Loved my time at Syracuse. People said I couldn't work for the Yankees. I was like, I'm going to show you. And then I did. And I never, and I thought I was going to be working for the Yankees forever. And then I quit to start just baseball. I never thought we tried to have a thousand followers in two months and we got 55,000. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. All I can control is today. And then tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. I don't really think about what will be in five years. Like, could I hope we're MLB Network? Like, I don't really want to be MLB Network. I want to be different, right? I want to be the first just baseball. So, and we're only going to figure that out over time, right? I never thought that we'd have 15 podcasts on the network and 20 writers two year, two and a half years in, right? So it's just, I don't know what we're going to be in five years, but I know I'm about to go post a TikTok and I think it's going to do well. And then I'm going to bet tomorrow. I hope they win. Like, that's only really where my mind is. It's like investors come in. Sure. What are you going to provide? Like all that kind of stuff. 
it's a complicated question because I don't know, but I'm just worried about today. I think that's a really good mindset to have, honestly. Don't look that far ahead. Just plan on the day-to-day, and the rest will take care of itself. Because I feel like if you try and plan for that, you're going to do that. But like, right. what if I don't like that plan in two years? Mm-hmm. Right? Things could change. Yeah. You know, so I'm just trying to win bets and watch baseball and cover it the best way I can every day. That's it. And to be, we'll see what happens. And to be honest, it just stresses you out if you if you just try and think too far in advance. It's, that's too much to think about. No need, right? Like, you know, you guys have had girlfriends in the past. Like your parents might say, you know, do you see this going really far with your girlfriend? And you're like, I don't know. I'm enjoying it now. But then if you start thinking like, oh, I got to get married, then it stresses you out. And then like maybe you have then resentment for the girl. Like I have a girlfriend right now. I love her. But like, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> like, I know I love her right now. <laughs> that's that's just how my mind is with everything. It's like, is it good right now? How do we make it better right now? And then tomorrow, we'll deal with it tomorrow. Well, Peter, this has been really awesome. All the talk we've had has been great. We loved having you on. We've loved being a part of the network. It's been a blast. And we certainly hope to do it again soon. In the meantime, though, we're going to let you go because we have a Shohei Otani blow-up start to all watch. Let's go Mariners, guys. Thanks for having me on. So excited to have you guys on the network. Marine Layer Pod to the moon. Love you guys. Love that conversation with Peter Apple. If you guys want to know why Just Baseball is going to keep growing, all you have to do is listen to that interview. I mean, he, Aram, Jack, the whole crew, they are awesome at this. And give it five to ten years. I know Peter didn't give his exact answer, but Just Baseball is going to be booming. It's already booming now. It's going to be even bigger in that time. And we're really excited to be a part of it. We love having Peter on. With that, that'll just about wrap up this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. You want to listen to the full-form podcast. On audio platforms, you can go to Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Go follow us on those accounts and those platforms. Go download our episodes. Leave us that that five-star review. It does us huge wonders. And then go to the YouTube side, too. Go subscribe, like, comment, turn the notification bells on. We're active on YouTube all the time. On social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube Shorts, at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins. And little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.